As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I'm here, so... <laughs> I'm Shea Gibbs and I'm down to dunk. Howdy, Oklahoma. My name is Chet Holmgren, and I'm down to dunk. Dead gum. I'm Josh Giddy, and I'm down to dunk. This is Lou Dort, and I'm down to dunk. <laughs> I have. I don't, is that like you eat them together? Everybody tells me to get the bag of burgers. I need like a straw. Like. <laughs> Howdy. I, I'm, a, I'm an artist on the court. This is Jay Will, and I'm down to dunk. My name is Kenrich Williams, and I'm down to dunk. It might be Aaron Wiggins. This is a troll. It's a troll. I'm trolling. Howdy, Papa. Because I, I think it would take away from who he is, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love Oklahoma. <laughs> I love Oklahoma to death. This is Lou Dort, and I'm down to Dort. Perfect. Great. Very good. I like the hat. You bro. like the hat? Yeah. <laughs> Vava, this is J-Dub, and I'm down to dunk. I've been doing a lot of dunking. <laughs> Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schleck. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me, as always, on Mondays is my good friend, Michele Barra. Michele, oh, what's up? Well, first of all, the, um, this video gives me the opportunity to watch the intro all over again. And the best part is always Giddy saying with a huge amount of disgust, are you eating them together, like ice cream and milk? <laughs> it's it's so great. It is so great. Uh, just as great as the Thunder were in the fourth quarter last night in Phoenix, they beat the Suns one eleven to ninety nine in a game that did not feel like what looked like a blowout at the end. It was a close game throughout. Yeah. Uh, Phoenix led at half. Phoenix led by six after three, and it felt like oh no. Like, this is a game that looks like the Thunder are going to lose. And then they outscore the Phoenix Suns 31-13 to in the fourth quarter. Uh, And it was spectacular. It was really uh, Shea and J-Dub were just unbelievable in the fourth quarter. Yeah, they were. And I think that the strategy of the Phoenix coaching staff was... Dubious, to say the least. I mean, they decided to go with KD and and Beal together early to yeah. just 
punch it and, and close the game. And it didn't happen. And by minute, I think, eight, they were gassed. And there was nothing that they could do to stop OKC, which was very aggressive. I mean, the turnovers were piling up for Phoenix, and part of them were just, yeah, it happens, we are careless. But the huge amount was, hey, we are really putting a lot of pressure on other players to make plays. Like, KD can yep. make plays. Brad Bill can make plays. Can the others? And the bet of the coaching staff of OKC was, no, they can't. And they were actually right. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, like OKC played a masterpiece of defense on both defense, on both KD and Beal. Because, I mean, those guys can score. They did, but they did inefficiently. And they dished the ball sometimes. But again, they stuck to, hey, we need to guard them and we need to put pressure on ball handlers and try to close out as much as we can. And the game plan worked. And the fact that uh, on offense, uh, Shea and Dub were just insane is, I think, uh, a good closure of a night where OKC, I think, deserved way more um, for the product that they put on both ends. Yeah, and, and they still lost this rebounding battle in the fourth quarter. They gave yeah. up five offensive rebounds. They had... 15 shots to the Suns, 21 shots, but they were the Suns were two of 21. Some of it was they were just missing shots. Yeah. And then I and then Kevin, they just handled Kevin really well. He was only one of seven in the fourth quarter. He took six free throws, you know, with nine points on seven shots, which is good and efficient, but he wasn't making anything from the field, which really helped. Yeah. And then you look at the Thunder, they were nine of 15 from the field, two of four from three. 11 of 14 from the free throw line. They were awesome. They were amazing in the fourth. And J-Dub had eight. Shea had 14, including the step back three that put it within double digits. That was just like, whoa. I mean, the amount of space yeah. that he created on that shot, I put it as the play of the game on Twitter, was just like, holy smokes. Like, this dude is unbelievable. Shea, Shea was so good. I mean, he was the best player all night. He was just kind of very Kevin Durant, like young Kevin Durant, just chipping away and just kept going, yeah. and he was really steady. He didn't seem to get sped up. The only times that I thought he got sped up was defensively. There were times when I was watching him, I was like, he is going to get a steal, and there's and he's just not going to stop until he gets that basketball. And he was just kind yeah. of a madman for several possessions. But Shea finished with 35 points, seven boards, four assists, a steal, and a block. Uh, 13 of 22, only seven of eight from the free throw line. But, dude, Shea was so sick. Yeah, it's sick that we are saying only seven out of eight. <laughs> yeah, it's only eight. <laughs> like, he, he deserves yeah. more free throws. I mean, there's no question about that. And Yeah. Uh, can I be a little bit... Uh, I don't know, nerdy or whatever. Always, um, every time. This is what that's what the I Monday think, pods for. I think that this, um, by the end of the season, we will see that as oh, okay, free throw numbers are probably down for most players, which is not the case today. But I, I felt like they were allowing a lot of contacts on OKC on defense as well, and these guys will be able to learn how to take advantage because Jada was extremely physical. Ludort was out of the world physical. Yeah, he was great. Uh, and they let him. Hmm. They let him for a lot. I mean, this is not what happens uh, every single night. I mean, against Golden State, we all saw that it was not the case. Um, 
But on most nights, if you allow OKC to be physical and what you get is getting less to the free throw line, I think that OKC will take advantage of that. Um, because um, because Shea is great in the mid-range, because a lot of guys can can score in other ways that are not just getting to the free throw line. Mm-hmm. And in general, I mean, OKC benefits if they if you allow them to be extremely physical with with hands with with their body on defense. Yeah, yeah, I don't disagree with that, especially from like the guard and wing positions. They just need mm-hmm. to have more physicality and. I think it does help with against a guy like Kevin who struggles under the pressure of physicality yeah. and they like Dort can just get right up underneath him. And we know like we've all, we all watched Kevin so much here is that the guys that really killed him were like guys like Chris Paul and Tony Allen and, and guys that weren't necessarily the biggest. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they did a good job on Kevin last night. Limited him. He only had 18 shot attempts which I think is criminal for Phoenix. <laughs> yeah. You know, he should have, especially on a night where it's like just he and Beal, no Devin Booker. Like they should have a lot more than that because they just don't have any other shot creators outside mm-hmm. of them. I mean, Jordan Goodwin off the bench shot the ball okay. He had some nice stretches there. He's a <laughs> fine player, but he's like a third or fourth guard. You know, yeah. like he's not anything Even Eubanks special. had his moments, but... yeah. Eubanks you know, was pretty good last night. Yeah. He he had some moments for them, yeah. But ultimately, the Thunder were great. And there's a lot of grumbling halfway through this game just about like size and physicality. And like there were moments where like Eubanks was more physical, and like he was grabbing offensive rebounds and putting them back in. But like look at the plus minus of the game. And I know this isn't always the best way to look at it, but Chad Holmgren, the lone center, <laughs> plus 27 last night. Yeah. And a lot of that was in the fourth quarter. They let the starters kind of ride to victory in the fourth quarter. But if Chet was like this big minus as the lone big man, you know, throughout the season, you'd be a little concerned. But a plus 27, and he controlled the paint in the fourth quarter. They don't have yeah. – and I, I kind of talked about this preseason, but the, th- the Suns don't have anybody that can really get downhill. And the guys that do drive to the paint, like Kevin and Beal, like they just wanted nothing to do – with Chet. Yeah. And he kind of, I mean, he only had two blocks last night, but the amount of control he had over the paint on the defensive end was pretty massive. He, he, he finished with a pretty quiet 18, six and four with two blocks, zero turnovers <laughs> yesterday, only three personal fouls. He's, he just like continues to impress me so much. Like the shooting stroke is obviously something that's very great. Uh, three out of six. I, I, I continue to be crazy impressed with Chet's game. He's in 33 minutes, and he had a bounce-back game because he did not play well in Sacramento yeah. on Friday against a team like they should have beat, they should have beat that Sacramento team. I know Sacramento yeah. played well. They probably played their best game without Fox against the Thunder, and those games are bound to happen at some point when teams full of veterans that you know get beat to a pulp you know, by other teams, they oftentimes will bounce back at some point, and they did against the Thunder, and the Thunder didn't respond well. They got punched in the mouth. The Thunder didn't respond well. And then the, it was good to see, you know, Chet in particular bounce back after what was a pretty uh, poor showing on Friday. Yeah, but also also J-Dub. 
I think that yeah. I agree with everything you said about Chad. He adds so much to these offense. I mean, it's apparent that when he's on the court, the geometry changes and it allows Shea to be to basically pick and choose his spots because he occupies a lot of um I mean, in terms of the attention of the defense, uh like Chet's Chet is already drawing a lot of that. So it, it opens up stuff for others. It was J-Dub last night um, for many, many reasons, because he played a lot with Chet, but also Shea in the fourth. So I really think that it's impressive that a guy like like him, he's not super duper young because he's, he's already, I think, 22, maybe? Ch- Dub? Chet. Chet. I don't know that he's 22 yet, is he? I think so. Close to it's closer to twenty two than twenty one. Yeah, yeah, I think. Yeah, I think uh, yes, I do. Yeah, he's still twenty one. Birthday May first. Oh, okay, okay. So he's okay. Um, so he's not super duper young. He's not nineteen or whatever. But he processed the game at such a high level and defensively. Yeah, you can see him maybe not engaging too much on Eubanks. He can do a little bit more on that end. But if like not being a great post defender is what you are like hold against him it's great do you remember andrew that game where i think it was the chris paul team that played Aiton for the first time yeah. in pick and roll yeah he was such an atrocious showing and oh he was the number gosh. one pick and he was taught as hey with that body he can be a physical yeah yeah it's year one chet plays pick and roll defense like he's in like it's already way so much better than Aiton. He, he's today. i mean he's just like such a he, he's so much better than Aiden right now. Yeah. Like, yeah. Exactly. Aiden wishes that he was like 10% of what Chet is. It's just like an aggressive player. Yeah. So the pick and roll defense is what I care about. The pain patrol is what I care about. The being able to go left to right um, on the court to close out to a three pointer. That is what makes Chet special. Mm-hmm. Being able to be physical in the post, if it happens in like three, four years, it, it will happen because he will get stronger. Nowitzki got stronger, even even yeah. if he, he wasn't. So you will get stronger by age. Well, Durant even, you know, yeah, Durant's yeah. gotten a lot stronger. Durant was like just as skinny as Chet, and I know that they play different positions, but the game is also so different from whenever Durant yeah. came in the league. What was it, ninety leaps, ninety pounds that he couldn't lift? Yeah, he couldn't lift the bar. Yeah, so I mean. It will happen. In the meantime, you already have a mastermind defensively. Um, And offensively, I already said everything. But back to the offensive side, for both, I think, Shea and Dub, they were so assertive with the three-point shot. Mm -hmm. Uh, And in general, to the fact, hey, I'm driving and I'm getting what is mine. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, sure, there were some blocks and there were some moments where they were not super-duper effective, but in general, they didn't hesitate. And they were finishing plays which is something that you need against a team like Phoenix. Because sometimes, I was telling to John this morning in, on Thunder After Dark, that yeah, sure, you, you may look at the assist number for JW and say, oh yeah, he didn't share the ball. Sometimes it's not about that for him. There are many players on the team that can pass the ball and can create. Sometimes the best weapon that you have is creating an advantage and use it for yourself. Yeah. Because like having Jade up taking an open three is so much better than try to make the extra pass or having a clear driving path to the basket for Jade up or Shea is hey, you need to do that. That is the best way. Sometimes you pass the ball out just to make the defense guess. But on a night where you have it, 
your duty is to be efficient and score. So it was such a good showing from JW in terms of, hey, I'm I'm able to be a 30-point-per-game kind of guy when when time is right and when I have the space to do so. Yeah, no question. Uh, J-Dub was so good yesterday. Like He was yeah. all-star version J-Dub. He hit spot-up threes. He was driving to the hoop. He hit fadeaways. He got fouled on and ones. He was catching lobs uh, and dunking the ball. He... Was using uh, he has a, like a pretty explosive first step when he wants to use it too, like he yeah. can just do so many things on the court and he was so in control, and he took a lot of shots yesterday, which I think was really good. And I say a lot. He took sixteen shots. Yeah, and like it's a proper number. It's not a lot. Yeah, it's not a crazy number. He took a pr- the proper amount of shots and was uh, thirty one points on sixteen shots. Like the efficiency is crazy. Six of eight from the free throw line, three of four from three. He was incredible as like the secondary score off of Shea. And it they're so hard to stop because they can both do kind of the same things. But J-Dub is, is really good off ball too. And so trying to defend those guys while knowing that Chet is there as a shooter. And I know that, that Giddy's not been awesome lately. But Giddy was really good as a connector yesterday for them. Yeah. He was a plus 17. He was 10, 10 points, 6 boards, 10 assists, 2 steals, 2 blocks. Like He played a good game yesterday. And when you kind of bake all that in, it is they're so tough to stop offensively. And for a team like Phoenix, who's just really not set up very well to defend mm-hmm. them, uh, they don't really have any uh, – Drew Eubanks is their best, like, big man defender and he's just not that great and then when you have bradley beal out there and the dude is just a parking cone he's no good nurkic is terrible nurkic is so bad man like he's so washed and then like koji is okay grayson allen has to play a lot for them but he's not very good either i mean there's just a lot of eighth and ninth men on this team even like not an eighth and ninth men there are a lot of 14th, 13th, and 14th men on this team that the reason that people thought they had a great summer is like everybody just knows their names. Like people have heard of Kata Bates' job. Great. I'm glad you have. But that guy is, should not be playing 27 minutes for you. And he only know. is because of injuries. No, no. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of like back of the roster guys on, on this team that are occupying a ton of minutes and they're paying for it. They're four and six right now and a lot of it's because they are they have missed both Beal um and Devin Booker and that's fine mm-hmm. but that's you might be missing a lot of Beal and Devin Booker this season like that just might be the way that it is and they're finding that it's really tough to to like have a good basketball team and I, I just don't even know how good Bradley Beal is anymore like he's a good scorer a good offensive player but whenever he's not the focal point and the Clippers are learning this the hard way too. You can't turn somebody who was once a star, especially a star score, into like a role player kind of yeah. guy. Like it's just not the way that it's going to go. Like you have to do the little things along the way. And like Beal relied on everybody else to do the little things. Harden has relied on everybody else to do the little things for him while he carried the scoring yeah. load. When you do that your whole career and then you're asked to be one of the guys that does the little things – 
it's not a transition that many guys make and make very gracefully. And so I, I wonder about Beal in this in this spot, especially when Booker comes back, because they just occupy the same spots on the court and kind of do the same things. And so I'm just really curious to see what this, this ends up looking like. I'm not I'm not very bullish on the Suns, and that's not just because of the way that they played last night, just because I just don't love their roster construction. No. And, yeah, you may get the night where Okoki looks like Jimmy Butler light. Um, very few of those. Uh, you may have a night where Yuta Watanabe looks like Bertans on steroids, but again, you may get uh, a few of those. And on all the other nights, you bet on the fact that Nurk can stay on the court and the fact that KD, Book, and, and Beal are just too much. And and to be honest, I mean, if you add Book to last night and you ask maybe Giddy to guard Book, then it's a mess. Uh, it's... Uh, it's a fat mess or Shea and maybe Shea makes two, three fouls. So when they are at full strength, they are still dangerous, but I agree with you. I mean, it's a very, very shaky roster and, and the fact that Nurk can barely move and doesn't want to move. I mean, there was one action where he just, he just allowed a defender to blow by without reacting. Mm. It was just, Oh, Oh yeah, it's you that go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to stop you. I'm not going to run the transition and, and whatnot. So that is sad. That is quite sad for Nurk. Um, I still don't get, I mean, how they allow the Aiden situation to be that bad that quickly. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just, I mean, you have a first-round pick. Just if you, if, you, if, you, if you see that stuff are going south, keep it, keep it close and trade him immediately not like a year later uh, when you tried i mean it's it, it was such a tragedy it was the number one pick and they got nurk <laughs> like yeah. wow they could have had luka Doncic and like Trey Young, whatever i mean i know that it's um it's silly to think that way but two years ago even after that crazy run to the finals where they melt down and whatnot if you trade him then you could get a lot for him, mm-hmm. like a good amount, because it it was a year three of his of his deal. So you had a full year at, at rookie scale, and then the extension. So like it's it's crazy how bad they handle it, and yeah. now they have Nurk. Yeah, it's it's wild. It's wild what that has turned into. It's it's pretty crazy. Uh, shout out to Bertans for playing three minutes last night and recording zero stats. Just unbelievable. No shots, rebounds, fouls, turnovers, nothing. A trillion. Yes, a three trillion. So, yeah. congratulations. It also used to be called, there's a website called Basket Baffle back in the day. It was a blog, and he would call the, there was a guy that played for the Hawks. Um, his first name was Mario, and so he would he would call it a Mario, recording a Mario. So Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Shout out. Shout out to Bertans for that. Um. Yeah, J-Dub, incredible. Uh, obviously, Shea, who will probably get overshadowed in some ways just because of the the novelty of like seeing J-Dub become like, one of the better players in the league like this is really cool. Um, but Shea is like one of the better players in the NBA right now. Um, yeah, very- he was clearly better, by the way. He was yeah. clearly better yesterday. Yeah. Like even if J-Dub was awesome and defensively he was very... I would say visible on yeah. the court, the work that J-Dub was That's doing. 
But there was no denial that when OKC needed a bucket, Shea made two, three crazy, crazy step back jumper. Mm-hmm. It was just like insanely difficult. It made look them so darn easy. And and yeah, and that three point shot to close the game, it was just okay. That's yeah. that that is different. Yeah. Yeah, it was amazing. Uh basketball card nerd in the chat says could you guys debunk the myth that the Thunder would have Shangun and Chet on the same team had they not traded away the Shangun pick? Uh, this is picking up steam with a couple national pods lately. Um, I mean, it's possible. I mean, it's possible that they would be <laughs> on the same team. Um, yeah. I don't think they were ever going to take Shangun. That's just my personal opinion. I don't think he's the kind of player that would lend itself to play the way they want to play offensively yes he could because he's a great passer and like you can see all of it but we're seeing with what a guy like chet can do for the defense and i know that they're playing that shangun's playing on like i think they're seventh in defense or something like that right now i I get it and he's played better and that's great i don't think they were ever going to put him on the same team no matter how good shangun looks I don't think that they were ever going to play and even look like Jalen Duran. Like they didn't they didn't have a whole lot of interest in Jalen Duran from what I've gathered. So I wouldn't you know what? Like he's probably going to be a better player than than the guys that they the guy that they got in the trade, which is Usman Jang. And like you have to live with situations like that. Yeah. You know, Shangun is really good. Like there's no denying it. Like I'm not gonna sit here and bash Shangun's defense or whatever. Like he he's playing good basketball right now. And it's possible that, you know, that ends up being not the greatest deal in the world. And you just kinda have to live with that. But I don't think that if Shangun were on this roster that he would be playing as prominent of a role. I mean, he would be the backup center. He'd play the J Will role for them and probably play it really well. And did the Thunder miss on that? It's possible that they missed on it. But I also just don't think he'd be playing as prominent of a role on this Thunder team as he does for the Rockets, and maybe he doesn't shine as much, and maybe it doesn't work out. Uh, we we talked about this a lot. I think it's really hard to build a great team around um, a limited defender like him. But he's done a good job. The Rockets have done a good job right now. Um, I think that this winning streak for the Rockets is a, a blip. I don't think that they're going to be some awesome team this year. They're also being propped up by a couple of players that they picked up um, as free agents, and that's great, but it, it feels like it's at the expense of a guy like Jalen Green who is has not looked awesome so far this year. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. The Rockets are having their moment. That's great, but I'm I'm losing no sleep over it. Yeah, and I mean you can you can look at that draft and be extremely critical, and that is fair and fine. I mean, if you think that they had two picks, and what they have is now Treyman and Usman Jeng, um, basically, doesn't look, look great, and like that's okay to acknowledge that. Like the that's dr- okay. Yeah. One, like the draft is really hard, and there's gonna be misses, and you know when you're taking swings and you're trying to figure things out, like there's gonna be misses. I mean, you look at no. you look at Poku versus Tyrese Maxey right now. Not looking awesome. No, you doesn't know, look very good. Like there's there's um, going to be misses, but there's also like I, I wouldn't trade the opportunity to have Shengun on the team 
for what they have now, even if Usman Jang ends up being out of the league. I mean, uh, breaking news, the Thunder sent Shangun to the G League, you know, today. And I don't know how long he's going to be there. I don't know if he's just going down there to practice or what the deal is, but... You know. It would be re- really funny if the Thunder would be able to actually send Shengun to the G League. <laughs> <laughs> you said Shengun instead of Jeng. Um, oh, did I say Shengun? So funny. <laughs> it was so funny. Um, it, it would be Jang. amazing if they, they could sh- do that. <laughs> hey, the uh, the um, Thunder have ga- have used yeah. one of their picks and with just to gain access to Shengun for a day to send him to the G League. No. Yeah, yeah, but but uh, what I want to say is. Yeah, it, it happens, um, but it's it's part of the deal, like the part of, hey, we are focusing on drafting a certain kind of player. Treyman had the step back, Usman Jang, his versatile wing slash forward. Um, with that package of picks, uh, you could think that they drafted both yeah. uh, J-Dub and, and, and Jang, uh, which is how we... We say it sometimes, maybe for j- just for, for ourselves, uh, maybe that is not the truth. But if you think that that is the truth, then yeah, you wouldn't actually sniff that. Would you mm-hmm. be, do you really want uh, Shengun and four picks or um, Jang and, and J-Dub? I don't think that is is a question yeah. whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, we, so, can, we can frame but, but you, but you it. Can, we can frame it. Yeah, you can, you can debate it and, and turn it out however you want. Yeah. Shengun is a good player. Shengun yeah. is probably great value. For where the Rockets pick him, they yeah. they gave away two picks to get him, and it's well spent, and it's working for them to mm-hmm. a T. Um, okay, so he tried to go to go to a different route. They interview him, and according to him himself, it was a very very thorough interview and hard interview, which is good because it means that okay, he really did his due diligence. Um, maybe that was that is part of the choice. Maybe. Yeah. They couldn't get enough information. It happens. I mean, I've been to so many interviews as of late, and you, you you see a candidate in front of you. You have so many informations, and you have to make a decision. And maybe mm-hmm. they made the wrong decision on Shengun. Mm-hmm. It happens. Again, um, to go to the basketball corner, the question, I don't see the package Shengun plus Chet to really work on the court together, to yeah. be honest with you. yeah, That, to me, is not is not really something that I would be uh, elated to see on the court. i much rather have someone that can really be um, a switchable defender, which Shengun isn't, and a guy that can run the floor and be just physical, not not a guy like Shengun, who is another finesse player um, with, that occupies many of the places that Chet wants to occupy on offense. Yeah. So that pairing <laughs> in my head doesn't work. Yeah, I mean, can they, you make it work? Sure. I mean, they play him in drop coverage a lot. Like you can't, you can't play him as the four, you know, for the Thunder. And you don't want to put Chet in a position where he's not near the rim. So yeah, exactly. It's really not. It just is what it is. Like the the Rockets got a very good player out of the deal. The Thunder have a very good roster. It's just not. It's not worth like losing sleep over because some Rockets fans are posting things on Twitter, you know. I mean, yeah, it's just it's like, fine. like just whatever. Like let let them let them live, and the Thunder also have a great team. So it's like not anything to worry about. Uh, okay, we're gonna take a quick break. When we come back. We're gonna look at some stats. We're gonna talk about down to dunk night and more. We'll be right back. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. And we're back after that quick break. Down to Dunk Night is tomorrow night, Tuesday, November 14th. The only member of Down to Dunk that won't be there is McKelly, which is just so sad. Yay! <laughs> uh, Alex will be here. It will happen sooner huh? or later. It will happen one day. Yes, one of these days this will happen. But we are going to meet at Spark, which is just across the street from the arena. Before the game, maybe around 4.45, get some food, um, do a little meet and greet, hang out together, and then um, we are going to go to Thunder Spurs, which is an in-season tournament game. It's going to be great. We're going to get to take a picture on the blue court together. How about that? That'll be after the game. I think meet outside of Section 104 after the game is over. So some people are sitting in Loud City, some are sitting in the 200 section. So meet at 104 after the game, and then we'll walk around the court together, take a big group photo, and then we'll do a half-court shot competition for courtside seats to a game in the future. Um, you can't go to a game in the past, so it would have to be in the future. Um, but that'd be cool if you could pick a game in the past to go to. That would be pretty wild. Uh, so yeah, down to dunk night tomorrow. It's going to be awesome. Can't wait to see everybody there. We're sold out of tickets, and it's uh, it's great. It's going to be a fun night, so looking forward to seeing everybody there. Should be a fun game. We have Chet versus Wimby. 
it's gonna be it's gonna be something else. Um, McKelly, the Thunder are six and four so far. Yeah, with uh, their offense is seventh in the league right now, looking pretty good. The only teams better than them so far this season: Hawks, Nuggets, Celtics, Sixers, Mavs, and Pacers, who are almost <laughs> ten points per one hundred possessions better than the Thunder on offense, and the Thunder are a top seven team. <laughs> so. That's yeah. just it's insane. crazy. It's, it's crazy. Ins- it's insane. Uh defensively they're 17th, which is not yep. where they want to be. They do have a positive net rating. Puts them at 12th mm-hmm. overall in the league. Um but yeah, what are your what are your overarching thoughts 10 games in? Um I think that um there are glaring issues um which everyone is aware of and there are subtle issues like putting their best effort every single night defensively. Mm -hmm. The Sacramento game is the perfect game to look at. If you look their rotations against Phoenix and their rotations against Sacramento, you can clearly see what is one and what is the other. Um, Is it normal? Yeah, kind of. They are young. Uh, They are are still to adjust to the schedule. Some of the players are, especially Chet. Um, and, And it happens to be up and down when you don't have the perfect preparation, the perfect, um, I would say, cohesion. And it's it's not, um, I mean, I, I'm, I've seen Shea being way more steady over the past two years. It will happen to the other guys as well. I mean, you can see uh, Shea improving from, hey, I can do whatever I want for a game, but then the other is a stinker, mm-hmm. to, yeah, I'm doing every single night whatever I want. And sometimes I don't because I have, I'm a human as well, um, but it's different. So I think that um, there are schematic issues as well. I mean, the rotations that they are playing right now are probably not the rotation with which Mark Degner will close the season. There is still a lot of experimenting with young guys. Or what the they will be water. next week. I mean, let's... Let's talk about that for a second. Like, uh, can I can I say what I mean by that? I, I'm I'm not saying that they will stop experimenting. I yeah. think that they will include more veteran play, especially Mitzich and Bertans, as the season goes on. Yeah, I, I expect them to be maybe maybe not Bertans, but I expect Mitzich to be a little bit more uh, inside the rotations. And there are there are many games where he could have played 12 minutes. Uh, maybe it's a stamina thing. Maybe it's a defensive principle kind of thing. I expect Mitic. I always said December, and I still keep my mind to December where he will play a little bit more. Yeah. And so, um, yeah. So there, there, there are stuff where, yeah, you can see as weird that players have a lot of leash sometimes and some others. Um, like last night, Chang had six minutes and it was done, basically. Yeah. yeah. I... I just think that we as a uh, a Thunder fan base need to understand like the Thunder process that's going on here. And, like we've been through it the past few yeah. years. And we would like Thunder fans would say like, "Man, aren't they doing a great job? What a great job Mark is doing." You know. Like he's been great. Mark Dignall needs more attention. He needs more of this. He needs more of that. He's so great. He's coach of the year candidate for this year. I don't think Thunder fans would have disagreed with that. Any of those thoughts preseason. <laughs> and then like the first sign of like some wonkiness in the rotation. It's like, what is he doing? 
We don't know what is going on with Mark Degna. Why is he? Why is this happening? Why is he doing this? Why is he doing that? So he's been the same guy. This is how the, like they've decided to run the team, and I don't think that it's a Mark separate from the front office. I think this is a Mark tied to the front office. I mean, Presti sure. has talked about it publicly that they believe it's an advantage to play this way. So I think that this is like a Thunder, like are all tied together here from what we've heard both of them say publicly that this is like their strategy is like they believe that if they're unpredictable going into these games that it's an advantage for them now is it going to work every single time no it's not i mean it frankly didn't their rotations weren't pristine last night i mean their bench just gave them basically nothing last yeah. night you know, there's going to be was quick to find different avenues that he changed a lot. I mean, he was not afraid to make changes to the, he didn't give too much leash to players that were not like really contributing. That's true. Which, which happens. Um, the point that I wanted to make was not, Hey, we will see steady rotations. I just think that Kenrich will be part of the closing season rotation a little yeah. bit more than what he is right now. Well, way more than what he is right now. Um, and so does Mitch. So I think that there will be, instability in the rotations yes there will be tinkering with the rotation yes but we will see maybe other players taking minutes mm -hmm. uh if if some of the experience like the gen one is are are not working uh the poke one uh, are not working so i expect them to make to to cycle through other players that are currently not part of the rotation and i also expect players like jay will to find their footing because Jay Will is not playing bad, but is not playing up to the level that we remember. Mm -hmm. um, part is the league adapting to him, and part is him being back from an injury and just trying to find his rhythm with his new crew. Yeah, yeah, and you can you can see that. And I still kind of like his process, and like he takes open shots. He's really good with DHO. He's he's doing a good job. Um. Anyways, uh, Hoopsock says questioning. Who's questioning or hating on Mark? I mean, I just see it in my Twitter mentions. People. Oh yeah, yeah. So it's there. Yeah, it's there. It's happening. Maybe Hoopstock is just in like the uh, the good corner of Thunder Twitter, <laughs> where he's not seeing it. Um, but yeah, uh, Travis Cagle in the chat. How are the Thunder looking? How are the Thunder's chances of the in season tournament looking? Uh, bad. They've lost both their games. Um, I don't think they're making the in season tournament out of uh out of uh, west Grimsy. so that's kind of a, a bummer but i would not count on it they i mean they could win tomorrow and they could play spoiler for the timberwolves you know but i don't think i don't think the thunder are going to the uh knockout rounds so anyways uh yeah interesting interesting 10 games it's it's been a pretty tough schedule for the most part in these yeah. 10 games and six and four is a pretty solid outcome you know they played bulls beat them they've swept the Cavs season series that's over they won both of those got housed by the nuggets on opening night beat the pistons pretty good uh, embarrassing loss to the pelicans a crazy Come on, embarrassing they played yeah it was not embarrassing they didn't I, it wasn't they, they weren't rolled. i felt embarrassed for them they they played it poorly they executed very poorly 
very poorly. And they had all the the, the chances to win it. They Should had have won the game. Were yeah. had all like had a massive lead that basically all you had to do was just play hard and you win the game. And they let yeah. go. They let, they let go of the rope. And like this is what and this is what young teams do. Young teams have embarrassing losses in the regular season. Yeah. They have it was losses. what we were discussing before, like not being consistent on being hard and aggressive all single every single night. I think that yeah. the games, the games uh, between Sacramento and, and and New Orleans are basically the same. The reason yes, why they lost are, definitely are the same. Definitely, and that's something that, as a young team, you have to make those corrections. Yeah, if you want to be a winning team, a team that makes the playoffs. A team that has the cohesion to make it through a series to win a series. Like you have, you can't have moments like that, you know, throughout the season. Like you have to find ways to win those games. Like you have to find a way to beat that Sacramento team. You have to find a way to beat that New Orleans team. Who, by the way, New Orleans has been a mess. Yeah, they've been absolute mess of a team so far this season, and so. Um. Yeah, that's a rough one. Uh, close one to the Warriors that, you know, depending on how you feel about touching the rim whenever a basketball is going in the hoop, you know, could have been a win for them, but it wasn't. Beat the Hawks and Cavs. Those are great wins. Lose to the Kings. Beat the Suns. Um, it's been a really – It's. I think it's been really good so far. They've played a lot of really good teams so far this season and it's been there's been some mixed results but overall like they look really good and Chet looks really good and Shea looks great um you know they're missing Shea in the Warriors game like that was probably the difference there you know that they yeah and to use uh Zach Lalonde in the chat the 60 win percent rate is 49 wins yes it is mathematically true but the season is not linear and what they are playing right now is good enough basketball I would expect I would wait until game 25 to see okay we can really project that because before it's it's really noisy I mean they as uh, as you were saying Andrew I mean they they played some tough defense I mean yeah. the Cavs are a tough defense and they they beat them both mm-hmm. both times um Golden State is Golden State Denver is Denver um then you go in Sacramento yes they didn't have the year on Fox but they played well they shot the ball better than OKC and they I mean, um, so there is a lot of noise. Um, I really want to see what's the next 10 game look like because it's after game 20 and approaching game 25, we'll really see what this team is about. Over the next 10 game, they, they, they go to Golden State twice, to do to San Francisco twice to play Golden State. It's not easy. Uh, it's not an easy schedule. It will soften up. And um, depending on, again, um, what's, the, what's the state of... Uh, health and stuff like that we'll mm-hmm. see mm-hmm. how this evolves yeah their next 10 games we actually don't even know what their next 10 games are exactly i think we know their next nine but then the uh because of the in-season tournament they have to like make up some of these games so we know the next nine but they have san antonio tuesday then they're on the road for three games they're in they play at golden state twice in a row thursday and saturday and then sunday they're in portland back home Wednesday, November 22nd for Chicago, back Saturday for Philadelphia, and then at Minnesota, which is their final in-season tournament game, and then Thursday, 
November 30th against the Lakers, who have looked uh, – there's been mixed reviews there, mostly bad. And the Saturday, December 2nd against Dallas. So it's not it's easy. It's not easy. Not an easy schedule. The only – like San Antonio, Portland, Chicago are like the three teams that you're like, yeah, you should probably win those games. And then like Golden State, are they going to beat Golden State? If you got one out of those two, you feel pretty good. Uh, Philly yeah. has been awesome this year. Yeah, that's a tough one. Minnesota has been really good this year. Dallas has Super been really good tough this one. year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a these are tough games. Like the the they can go three and seven, and end this at the nine and eleven. Yeah, that's that is possible. <laughs> I I think that's on the low end of where things end up. They probably are just a little bit closer to five hundred after this stretch. And if they're anything better than that, like they've got to be feeling pretty good. But this league is tough. Like this yeah. league is really, really tough, and that's why you can't get so caught up in like night to night. How are they looking? I mean, it's just about. And the Mark calls it stacking. Like they just have to continue to stack positive days yeah. and continue, you know, some good momentum throughout the season. And and there's going to be stretches where they do lose seven out of ten. And then there's going to be situations where they win eight out of ten this season. Yeah. You know, they're going to have ebbs and flows and ups and downs. That's the nature of a young team. But boy, are they talented. And the talent is really showing through. And they haven't even really clicked yet, you know, from yeah. what I've seen. Like they they have stretches. I think that fourth quarter was like a moment where you're like, oh, there they are. You know, like there's the team that is just dominant yeah. and then there were moments in the game last night where we were like oh my gosh they're gonna lose this game like they're they're not gonna win they're not gonna they're not they don't have it together and so i want to see them click for like two weeks straight and just yeah. and some of it honestly comes down to josh giddy i think giddy has to kind of play his way out of this funk a little bit and he did a little bit last night i actually thought he played pretty well last night get this team playing faster score in transition find guys, rebound the heck out of the ball. Like He's got to figure out kind of where he fits in all of this. And I can see that being like the main, one of the main struggles of this team. I think rebounding is obviously a, a struggle, but it's something that I think that they're willing to sacrifice in the name of just being so difficult to defend because of the way their roster is constructed. I think that's something that they're willing to concede, and I would be willing to concede if I were them too. But I also just think like one of the other problems is like where does exactly does Josh Giddy fit in all of this? I think is a is something that they are working on and that he's working yeah. on. And I I'm excited to see when that comes into place because I think it will. And when it does, I think he's gonna kinda help bolster everything that they do already. Yeah, it it uh, the path is not easy. Um, I think that you mentioned the word connector. We said it many times for Giddy. Um, he's not a connector in, in the sense of uh, Draymond Green, where he's a vocal leader of the defense and also like one of the smartest passer from the top of the key, mm -hmm. which makes it so easy when you have so many shooters running around. Um, I think that Giddy can be a different type of connector, a different type of rhythm setter and tone setter on offense. Um, he's struggling to find a good rhythm and a good um i would say balance between 
what I need to do for myself to be aggressive and to be dangerous for so that the defense cares about me and also how I ignite my teammates in order for me not to be uh, an inoffensive hub. This is not easy. He's a guy that can command tomorrow a trade to another team and say, hey, I want my team because I'm that good. I'm a triple, triple, leaving triple double if you just give me 20 possessions. And I don't think that he's taking this way. He's trying to be a functional part of what OKC is trying to do. But it takes time. Mm -hmm. It takes time. And as you mentioned, when it happens, because I think it can happen, I'm not sure that it will happen, this will look great. Because Giddy, when he functions in sync with, with Chet, with Giddy, with uh, Dub and with Shea, it's a beauty. When he can ignite them, when he can occupy places on the court, when he can drive to the basket and just take the defense um, because he is too smart and picks the right moment to attack. Uh, when he attacks, when the defense is set, uh, I think that he knows that he's not a great way, and sometimes he does it anyway, because he's a young player who wants to show off that he can do more than just be opportunistic on offense. So it will take time, but I would give all the time in the world to see this thing working, because it has the potential to be great. Something that I really want to see, though, he can't hesitate as he's doing right now with the three-point shot. Yeah. Last year, I was so much happier about the fact that he was not afraid to let it fly. Right now, I don't think that that is the case. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that uh, I agree. I, I think that it's, it's one of the tougher things as a pro to go through is like knowing that you're not a lights-out shooter and deciding that I'm just going <laughs> to let it fly anyways. Yeah, I think it's it is a it's psychologically one of the tougher things to do is to yeah. like know that man I'm shooting 19 percent from three this year so far. Like, how do you fight through that mentally? I think is it's it's really tough. Like, I I don't blame him for not firing away. I think I think it's human nature, and like he's like fighting against human nature at this point to like really take a lot of threes and he you know he took one yesterday and and maybe he kind of determines that like he maybe he finds his spot within the offense where he's just taking less shots and is just finding ways to get others involved but i think you're right like he's got to take the open ones like when somebody yeah. hits no him, i'm not saying force it i'm not yeah. saying force it oh i don't yeah i would when he is open on the wing he just has to take them and he's been yeah. doing that, and he missed one at a very crucial moment last week. Like I just think that that psychologically is something you have to battle through, and you have to figure out. Um, yeah. But no, he, I, I still am a, a very much a Josh Giddy believer. And I know Casey Wallace has had a good start to his season, and he's somebody that people have already started to like slide into that spot in place of Giddy. But like you kind of saw, like one of Casey's flaws is that he can kind of fade you know into the background a little bit and he did that quite a bit yeah. yesterday i mean look at his oh yeah, yeah look at his stat line yesterday 17 minutes one shot one assist three fouls yeah you know and and not he's a rookie he has a lot to learn phoenix is a weird team because they basically just have two guys that you have to worry about and then the rest are fringe nba players and so it's kind of a weird team um you know, he kind of thrived against, say, a Hawks team, you know, where it's like you have these, like, two guards, and then we always kind of need these other two, you know, guards in the game that can really help kind of mix it up with them. And, 
you know, Kaysen's going to have, I think he's going to have an awesome NBA career. But like we we kind of have seen this. Like, you don't have to throw out one NBA player in favor of the other. Like, you, yeah. it'd be great to have nine or ten really good NBA players on your team. <laughs> and, like, including Kaysen Wallace and Josh Giddey. Um, so, yeah, I... I really like this. I really like watching this team. I'm really excited to watch them in person tomorrow and see them play against Wimbenyama and the really fun San Antonio Spurs. Um, but yeah, I, I think Josh Giddy is like the biggest conundrum right now. It's like, how do we figure that piece yeah. out? And when they do, I think it's, I think we'll see them just start clicking on all cylinders and like rip off eight in a row. You know, I think that that, I would be surprised if that doesn't happen. You know, some at some point this season. Yeah, and if uh, it doesn't work, and they have to go to separate path, guess what? A guy that is a living triple double that doesn't have enough space is a guy that you can get assets for. So, I think that the the idea is try to be relaxed and just look at the future in a you know like calm way. It is bright. Like whatever Joshkiti ends up doing, if it's the best connector piece on OKC or the leading guard on another team, OKC will be will get benefits yeah. out of that one way or the other. Yes. And if you look for a brute force kind of guy, you want to, to fix your entire defense. Yeah, those guys exist, and OKC has all the assets to give to to get him. Mm-hmm. So again, this season is not about that. It's about finding a way to let J-Dub, Giddy, Chet and Shea and Dort and whoever is part of the, of the team to um, to learn how to do it, mm-hmm. to learn by themselves what it takes to win. If they don't do it this year, they will do it next year. Yes, uh, if you remember all the great teams, I mean, Golden State, uh, it took Andre Gudala to be part of that, of that core, but they learned by themselves in the playoffs what it takes to better than the Spurs or whatever. I don't mm-hmm. remember who they lost with. I think the Spurs. Um, so they need to learn that. All the rest, it's for the future. Yeah. And, it's, um, and it's nice to start discussing it because to me, in my head, the idea, hey, will, will Giddy fits with this? Uh, is this the right possession? Um, is the team reacting better when Giddy's on the bench? Yes, of course, I'm thinking about that. I mean, analyzing the game. So, of course, I look at Kane and say, oh, Kane's shooting, you have more space there. But then you see Giddy throwing through two, three passes, drives to the basket and passes. Oh, we need that as well. So, mm-hmm. it's, you have to give it time. And it's fine to talk about it. It's fine to, to talk about Giddy's future because it's part of the deal. As, I, as we discussed Dort, as we will discuss Dort, when his efficiency will drop because it will happen and maybe it will get uh, up again. So, all these things will be discussed and it's fine and fair. Just don't be too rushed into, hey, this will never work. Or, hey, this is terrible. Or, yeah, they should have gotten uh, whoever, Franz Wagner. Yeah, sure. Option. Not happened. Not uh, interesting to discuss it now. Yeah, and and this season, I mean, the Thunder have been pretty clear with the way that Presti and with the way that Mark talk. Like, like they want to figure this out with this group, with these young guys. Like, I don't think that they're looking for a quick fix. And they're playing their young guys. And they're kind of letting them learn the lessons they need to learn. You look at Houston, and he, he, maybe Houston is doing it the right way for them. That's great. But, like, they played Fred Van Vliet 41 minutes last night. 
They played Jeff Green 26 minutes off the bench last night. You know, they only played Jabari Smith Jr., who's a top five pick in the draft 20 minutes yesterday. You know, like Tari Eason, and he's working back from injury, but they only played him 16 minutes yesterday. They're not they're not playing all their young guys, like big minutes. Shengun is like the and Jalen Green are the exception. Jalen Green just hasn't flat out been very good. But they basically bought wins in the offseason when they signed Van Vliet. Like, they decided we're going to spend millions upon millions to buy ourselves some wins and move ourselves to phase two. The Thunder, there's no, like, hey, we're in phase two now talk with the Thunder. It's like, no, like, we're we're hopeful that this team can get it together for the overlapping primes of the team. Yeah, You know, and that the team can be really good here in a few years when those guys are reaching their primes. And until then, like, we want them to mesh together. We want them to figure it out. The Rockets pressed the eject button on the Jalen Green, Jabari Smith-led team. And they decided, no, we're going to let Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks come in and eat up all the minutes. Jeff Green has eaten up 26 minutes. Like They were like, no, we can't do this anymore. Phase two, now press the button, go. And I think it could be to the detriment of a guy like Jabari Smith, who hasn't been great this season. It's obviously working well with Shangun because I think he plays really well off of Van Vliet. And that's great. Like the Thunder are doing it in a different path. And I'm not saying like the Thunder's path is like far superior than the Rockets' path. It's just different. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But I think they're doing the right doing things right by the guys they have, and I feel better about all of their young guys at this point. And I think that they're they're forging a path forward that is gonna be like really sustainable. And not only is it gonna be sustainable, it's gonna like start to snowball for them at some point because I believe that they have a top 10 top 5 player in Shea I think that Chet can be a top 15 player in the league if not better I think Dub can be a top 20 player in the league and if that comes to fruition with those three and then Giddy is like a top 40 player top 20 player whatever he ends up being too I don't know but boy like that's when things start to really snowball and you can really yeah. you know gain like true momentum that leads you into the future. You know, Van Vliet's a good player. Van Vliet's not going to lead this Rockets team for all that much longer. He's a 6-foot point guard. Like yeah. those guys just don't last all that long in the NBA. And so like I I wouldn't be worried. I mean, I've seen people and maybe maybe I'm in the just the wrong corners of the Thunder Twitter again. But I've seen circles where it's like people are all worried. Like Van Vliet's not the guard of the future. He's the guard of now. Like he's almost 30. So I would just say like the Thunder are building still for the future. And they still have all the picks. Like it's just not a time to like panic. And I'm not sure that a lot of people are panicking. But it's just a a reminder of like where the Thunder are headed. It's not about this season. It's not about this season. Um, all right. Anything else before we go, McKelly? Um, Just commenting on James Anderson in the chat. Trey Murphy is the guy OKC should have taken, not Shingun. You don't have to tell yes. McKelly twice. You, you don't have to tell me, but um, on one hand, you have the Trey Man pick and the second pick in the draft the year after. Are you sure? 
that with the spacing that Trey Murphy could provide to Shea, OKC doesn't get maybe another win, maybe two other wins. Hey. If that happens, no chat. And on the two scenarios, one that is real, the other is fake, I would choose the real one where we have chat. Yeah. And that's it. But yeah, I agree that uh, Trey Murphy would be awesome with mm-hmm. this team. If you if you slide him in that starting spot or whatever spot you want, it's um it's just beautiful to think yeah. about that. Yeah, Murph would be great. <laughs> and he's also just yeah. apparently like the greatest dude as well. Yeah. Uh, my buddy Will Guillory, who covers the Pelicans, just like raves about Trey as just a, a human. Just says he's great. Uh, okay, down to dunk night is tomorrow. Can't wait to see everybody there. Um, let us know where you're coming from uh, for down to dunk night. Let us know on Twitter. Uh, hey, I'm coming from Tulsa. Hey, I'm coming from Wichita or wherever you're coming from. Um, very excited to see everybody there. Lots of familiar faces, probably some new faces too. So be sure to come introduce yourself to me and to Alex and L-Man and Taylor and Jay. It's going to be great. And um, Michele will be probably asleep during Down to Dunk Night, yes? I'm sure. I hope. Yeah, hopefully so. Hopefully he'll be sleeping. But um, looking forward to seeing everybody tomorrow night. We will have a podcast. I think we're going to record it tomorrow night as well. So look for a pod after the Spurs game. Um, Hope you guys have an awesome rest of your Monday. We'll talk to you guys again on Wednesday.